Having heard what Placebo and Justinus have had to say, January has decided that he's having none of Justinus's caution and is very much committed to his reckless course of action. And now his mind, or, according to the merchant narrator, his soul, is besieged by visions of women, a veritable procession of them, many a fur chap and many a fur visage that passeth through his heart night by night. The simile used to convey this catwalk of fantasy potential partners is highly significant. He is likened by a simile to one who took a mirror, polished bright, and set it in a common marketplace, an image that combines pervy voyeurism and commerce. January's twin loves, it seems. He finds himself spoilt for choice, his mind skipping from rival to rival as this parade of lovelies flickers across his fevered imaginings, weighing up the various qualities that different women possess. Is it beauty that he wants, sadness, benignity, the grace of the pebbles, and so on? So many choices, and as Justinus reminded us earlier, there is noon in this world that trotteth hool in all. And yet, at last, or at least by line 383, his decision is made. The lucky candidate, one who he has chosen of his own octority, a phrase that underlines that January, in spite of all the advice offered him by Justinus and co, is very much the author of his own downfall. The merchant narrator offers the droll comment that, for love is blind all day and may not see, Another example of prolepsis, similar to that in the earlier image of the warm wex, a figurative idea that will take on literal form later in the, ta- in the tale. Safely back in bed, January now contemplates the abundance of qualities united in his beloved. Qualities such as gentleness, nobility, and womanly bearing. Qualities entirely lacking from May, he and we will soon discover love is blind all right and the merchant is at pains to point out it is very much january's own fantasy and again in line 402 the adverb hastily returns as january rushes towards the altar but first one sticking point and one more opportunity for chaucer to pile on the irony and make sure that we're under we're under no illusion just how far from wise january really is He reveals to Placebo and the rest that his intentions have settled on a maiden in the town whose beauty had great renown, though the truth of her reputation seems somewhat lost on poor smitten January, and he is even happy to overlook the fact that she is of small degree, meaning his social inferior, and he is already looking forward to the ease of hooliness that will be his lot from here on in. All that is but for one thing or o thing pricketh in my conscience, this being the fear that no man hand perfect blisses too, and that the bliss of marriage, an irony soaked description of so merry a life, so delicate, without and woe and strife, will mean he isn't also entitled to the bliss of the afterlife. Justinus is first to react, right in his japery and full of scorn and so full of scorn and mockery is he that he even does without authorities to make his point his message you'll repent of married life soon enough and your wife is far more likely to be your purgatory god's mean meaning his instrument god's whip 
following up with a simile that his heart will skip to God as tooth an arrow out of a bow. He can't say he wasn't warned. And he reiterates the warning in the starkest terms. The nists know so great felicity in marriage, nor never immore shall be. Concluding with a final warning not to please her, please her not too amorously. And a reminder to heed the words of fellow pilgrim and authority on miserable marriages, the wife of Bath. <laughs>